So the first thing I want to tell you um, is that Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. <laughs> uh, get that idea out of your head. Uh, that was a fabrication that was created in 461-ish uh, as a way to keep women silent in church. So, Mary Magdalene, not a prostitute. Okay, so... This is not a very satisfying ending to scripture, I don't think. Um, all we have is a young man in a tomb with no explanation about how he got there. And if the women ran away, seized by terror and amazement as they were, if they didn't tell anybody, how do we find out about it? Okay. So no, this isn't a very satisfying ending at all. In fact, the ending is so unsatisfying that there were two different endings tacked on to the end of Mark. Scholars are nearly unanimous in their agreement that the original ending of the book of Mark is verse 8, and that the two alternative endings for Mark that are printed in our Bibles now, one being a single verse, and then the other taking us all the way through verse 20, were additions by scribes or other religious scholars who had a difficult time with this ending. If you're interested in the scholarship, I will be happy to talk to you after church. Uh, but entire uh, doctoral dissertations have been written on the ending of Mark, so I'm not going to go into it right now. Aren't we all glad about that? Yay. Um, and I really can't blame people for wanting to add something to the ending of this story. It's just a very odd way to end it. This ending is not helpful at all. It's not one little bit helpful. Because, like all stories, I want a happy ending. I don't want the women fleeing terrified and not telling anybody. Where does one go? What do you do with this story? What do you do with the young man who's dressed in white in the place where Jesus should be? And what is resurrection anyway? If you include Paul, there are at least five different understandings and descriptions of the resurrection in the New Testament. Now, resurrection is not resuscitation. We could maybe all agree on that. Jesus is not a zombie. But none of us know for sure what resurrection is. Nobody knows for sure what resurrection is going to look like. We can describe it in various ways. We can try to give it a for sure if we want to, but we are simply doing at that point what the scribes and the scholars did to the ending of Mark. We're trying to give it some sort of a frame so that we can understand it, so that we can make sense of it. Because if we don't know what it is, how are we going to know when it happens? I wonder, though, if trying to define resurrection has the same effect as rolling the stone back over the grave, limiting the possibility. Much like God's incredible grace and radical love, we find resurrection difficult to comprehend, and so we try to set boundaries on it. We try to set definitions for it. We try to tame it. And I submit, like grace, it's not tameable. The Gospel writer, however, does give us a hint about resurrection. As theologian and pastor Barbara Brown Taylor writes, 
the young man in white does not say that Jesus is going ahead of them to heaven. He says that Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee. God's hope is still alive here on earth. The Reverend Martha Spong is a pastor in the United Church of Christ. And she recently shared about her mother's death. When my mother died early on a spring evening in 1993, the ladies of the Garden Club and the Bridge Club gathered around my family to stand sentinel, the old-fashioned ritual of praying and, and calling on the bereaved. People came to the front door all day long, she writes. But my father and I felt no pressure to see everybody. They received a greeting and the news of our availability from the watchful women of the church. This meant that we could rest or we could go to the bathroom or we could take phone calls knowing that no one would be turned away. It was a ritual of hospitality that provided a huge amount of relief. One of mother's friends had been ill with cancer herself. She'd been receiving radiation treatments that had damaged her taste buds, and she had lost her appetite. Her family worried about keeping her strong enough so that she could continue the treatments that were saving her life. Nothing tasted good, yet she came to take her turn that Tuesday, and during a quiet part in the visits, we sat down at the kitchen table together, each of us with pieces of chicken salad sandwich cut carefully into quarters. On my plate, there were four, but Aunt Shippy only had two. She bit into the first small triangle, and her eyebrows raised up just a little, and she took another bite. This tastes pretty good, she said, with a tone of mild amazement. Martha writes, I'm not claiming that the chicken salad was miraculous, although it was the best I have ever eaten. But Shippy started to feel better growing stronger that spring. She recovered and lived a full two more decades, well into her 90s. And even without knowing what the future holds, in that moment at that table, writes Martha, I felt a shift, a little resurrection, a little victory over death. A number of years ago when I lived in Phoenix, uh, I met a man named Paul which I know sounds like a setup, but his name really was Paul. <laughs> and he was rail thin. He was just rail thin. He looked like a ghost. His face was sunken in. His eyes were empty. His hair was matted. His beard was scraggly and unkempt. He bruised to the touch. And although he was only in his late 20s, he looked like he was in his late 50s. He had some wants and some warrants out for his arrest, little tiny small things. He didn't have a place of his own and he was living on the street or he was hopping from couch to couch where he could and every once in a while I would see him in various coffee shops around Phoenix. When he got tired of living on the street, when it became too difficult to let somebody convince him to let, the, let him sleep on their couch, he would just happen to bump into a police officer who would take him to jail so he could sleep on a cot for a while and get three hot meals and a shower, medical attention if he needed it. And then I was sitting in a coffee shop and I realized that I hadn't seen Paul for a while. I didn't know where he'd disappeared to. 
I thought perhaps that he was dead, because frankly, dead did not seem too out of, uh, out of the realm of possibility for Paul. The other was that he was in jail, because he was often in jail. That didn't take much imagination either. So I was sitting at my usual booth in my usual coffee shop, and I was tapped on the shoulder. And I turned around to see who it was, and there's a vague recognition there, but I could not place who the guy was. And then he introduced himself, and it was my friend Paul. He looked completely different. His eyes were bright, his hair was clean, his beard was neatly trimmed, his face had color, not the color of bruises, but you know, you know, ready color. His clothes were clean, and I swear to you, he even seemed like he was about six inches taller. It was a miracle, an absolute miracle. He said that the last time he ended up in jail, some people came to talk to him about getting sober. And he'd been sober about six months at that point. He was a different person. The Paul that I knew had died, and in his place, a new Paul had been resurrected. Here, on earth, where do you see resurrection? The Gospel writer tells us that the man in white told the women to go and tell. Go, tell that Jesus has been raised. Go and tell that darkness has been overcome by light. Go and tell new life is waiting. Go and tell that we have a future filled with hope. Go and tell that the message of Easter is that death does not win. Love wins. Go and tell that God has given us the ultimate no to hate and to violence and oppression. Go and tell that in God there is liberation, there is freedom, there is courage. And go tell them that the story's not over yet. Go tell that God is not done working miracles. Alice McKenzie writes that we've been promised life. Three times Jesus tells about resurrection, and yet we still want to look for death. So go look for life. Go and tell the story of God. Tell the story of Jesus. The story of resurrection. It's a story that's not finished yet. There are still miracles. There is still resurrection. There is resurrection in prisoners freed. freed. There is resurrection in people forgiven. There is resurrection in alcoholics getting sober. And there is resurrection in women enjoying chicken salad. Go tell that resurrection is still possible. That resurrection still happens. The tomb may be empty, but God's promises are full. Amen.